Sometimes God does what he wants, right? When we start praising God, he starts to fill this place with his presence. And if you don't believe me, there was, I was listening even today to a, a message of Pastor Peter, uh, the pastor of the Korean church. He was speaking for the gathering this morning, and he was just talking about how when Jesus was with them on Emmaus, on this road, that there was something burning inside of them. It wasn't this intellectual ascent moment. It was like, this guy has something that I've, that it's just so different. And sometimes we got to understand and we have to be okay when God does some work in us in the moment. Let him do it. Don't intellectually assent every time like, oh, this is this, this is that. This is emotional, this is that. When they were with Jesus, they said, there was something burning within me that was so different. The scriptures came alive. The praise came alive. My heart came alive. And be in the moment then. We're not robots. We worship God. What you guys do not know is for the last three days, from Thursday Friday and Saturday, the leadership of this church has been praying for you. For three days, we got away, and, and it wasn't, we didn't get away to strategize. We did some. We didn't get away to say, man, I'm just tired. We got away to pray. And, 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 and our, uh, the speaker of the time, he says, when you praise and pray to God, he fills you with his presence. He says, what you need is not a better strategy. What you need is not a better this, that, and the other thing. He says, what you need is to learn how to pray, that he is what you need. You need to learn how to praise, that Jesus is all you need. And you might be here today, and you've never heard of Jesus before. You might be today just skeptical, but there's a, I'm telling you, this, you can sense the presence of God. I don't know how, what else to call it. You can sense a burning in people that are different. Allow that. Accept that. You are a whole human being. You're not just all heady. You're not all intellect. There's emotion and there's, there's physical. And let God let be worshipped in every part like, holistically of who we are. Amen? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read you a verse as uh, the guys come forward. There's a lot of things in your program, so make sure that you go through your programs. But Jesus tells us, this is how we pray. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. For he who seeks and uh, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened to you. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, would give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, though you are messed up, know how to give, give good gifts to your children, how much more? Will your Father in heaven give you good gifts for those who ask? So in everything, do to others. I love this. He flips it. He says, don't forget what I first told you. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to get some stuff. No, he says, don't forget. What's the main thing? He says, in everything, do to others what you would have done, have them do to you. For this sums up the law of the prophets. In everything that we do, when we're asking, seeking, knocking, we're still asking, seeking, knocking with the heart of Christ, of loving God most and then loving others as ourselves. If we miss that, we miss the gospel. If we miss that, we're just reading what we want to read, and then we're taking out what we want to take out. When we're praising God, sometimes we, got, sometimes we have to praise and, and, uh, for the person next to us. Sometimes we have to pray for the person next to us. And so in everything that we do, think about that, to the glory of God and the good of others. That's what God is calling us to. And when you step 
into what God is calling you to. You're stepping in to the way of Jesus, and we're, ta- we're talking about that for the next several weeks, but you're stepping in to the presence of God, and something will start changing in us. And if you've never experienced it, just take one small step. It's not, it's not emotionalism. We're just saying, Jesus, if this is what you want to do, we're in. I'm signing up, all right? So I'm going to pray. I thank you for your giving, and uh, we're going to continue today. Heavenly Father, I just thank you, Lord God. I believe today is a sacred moment, Lord God, and we consecrate, we set apart this time for you to do whatever you want to do, God. We trust you, God. We have our plans. We wrote out what we we're going to say and do, but Lord, we trust you, Lord, for your will to be done every time we come together, Lord God, and every time we leave this place, that we would be vessels of God into our city, to light up the city with the tangible love of Jesus, spiritually, physically, and socially, Lord God, to attack all the poverty of our city, Lord God, with your love and our life. In Jesus' name we pray. We thank you. Amen. Amen. At this time, my wife is going to come up. Yeah. She's way better than me. How are you guys? Happy Sunday. I'm just so thankful for the presence of God that he meets us where we're at. Um, Thank you for, we were talking even as we were on that weekend retreat and um, just wow, just how you guys have learned to enter in and worship in the presence of God is such an amazing thing um, to see. And so thank you guys. Um, Today we are going to honor a very special lady she doesn't know, um, but this young lady um, has been back with our Hill City kids for the past three years. She has worked her booty off um, <laughs> Sunday after Sunday, and um, she's done so many creative things with the kids from foster bags to homeless bags to learning them to re- teaching them to reach out to their community, teaching them how to lead. She's taught. Um, Micah, if you know our second, he's like shy and everything's analytical and it needs to go a certain. She has taught him to stand up and learn to lead worship with other children. She's taught them to run the media. She's taught them basically to be little disciples of their their friends that are in church, that are coming to church, the new ones that are coming in, the ones that are already there. She is amazing. Can you guys help me give a hand for Megan Frank? She's had your kids for the past three years, so definitely let's stand up and give her a hand. Um, So she has done this for three years so faithfully. Sometimes when she had enough help, sometimes when she was maybe the only one in there, like, hey, you, come here and help me right now. Um... But she's just done it so faithfully, and um, we are so grateful because there is a time where someone just left right away, and Megan just picked it up, and man, she built it, and she has made it so strong, and so we're looking forward to the future of our children's ministry. She's going to take a break and actually be in service some and uh, worship with us. And so we're excited for that for her. She's not going anywhere. We told her you're always stuck with us. So, Um, but she's not going anywhere. But we just want to honor her and um, tell her thank you so much. 
just for planting those seeds because I truly believe um, that when seeds are planted in children's heart, it can change generations. It can change families because the parents are looking for their children to find something, find meaning, right? And then who, Jesus says, um, if you have faith like a child, right? And so I think our children can teach us a lot. And so Megan has invested in them, which can change, truly change generations. So thank you. We love you. Um, we're going to show a little video. So they'll do a much better job at explaining who she is to them than we can. But we love you. Thank you so much. Megan has helped me learn about God a bit more than I have before. It was kind of, it was also fun to be in class. It was real fun. Do you like how she leads worship? Yeah. Anything else? She, she is a great teacher, and I think, I think that she's an amazing teacher. She should be, always be teaching. I wish she could, wish we could all last forever. She's very energetic. She is nice and beautiful. Okay, so Miss Megan helps us a lot in Hill City Church, and she helps us learn about God and learn that He died on the cross for a reason, not just for one thing. She's nice. Miss Megan helps us because she um, helps us learn more, and she helps us think. Um, he helps us do more things and follow God. She makes you want to celebrate every day. Well, she's a great mom and she helps us learn about God. And she helps us learn about Jesus all right, what's one of your favorite things about Miss Megan teaching you in Hell City Kids? Um, learning about God. Yeah? What else? That's it. I don't know anything else. Learning about God? Cool. Do you like how she leads you guys in the small groups and in the, in the uh, worship? Cool. We love you, Megan. Thank you for teaching us. Um, my mom means to me. I'm Megan Frank. She means that she taught me a lot of stuff about the Bible and she helped me grow closer to God. Uh, she's helped me a lot over the years. And yeah, so she really helped me learn about the Bible. Yep. She's loving. Say it a little bit louder. She's loving. She's a great kid and she teaches me all these lessons that are helping me 
understand Jesus better, and um, she makes me understand Jesus so much more better, and, and she's so nice, and what I really like about her is she's, she's really nice, and she isn't mean at all, and she's trying, and she always, like, gives me a good lesson, and it's, like, a lot to me, and she's really nice. Miss um, Megan means to me like a teacher and she's helped me and like she's just been a key part of my life because like she's helped me so much and taught me a lot of things. Before we move on, I'm, we're going to just pray for her. We're going to just pray for her. Let's pray for her. Heavenly Father, you know, Lord God, the next steps for her life, Lord God. Thank you for bringing such a strong leader, Lord God. And we pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus, Lord God, that you would bring uh, just peace on these next steps, Lord God. And, uh, and we are so grateful for the people that are making lasting impacts on your kingdom, Lord. We pray for Megan, Lord God. Bless her life, Lord God. Fill her with more of your grace, Lord God. And I, I pray better and better days ahead. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said, amen. Amen. We have a, it's a, it's a special day today. Right now I have, a, I have the privilege, and you saw in the lobby of uh, two organizations that we're bringing in that we as Hill City Church, we want to partner with to make an impact in, in uh, our city, in this area. So right now, I want to bring a Marcy from Safe Families. Thank you so much. Um, you all know how to worship. Thank you for that time together. I almost wanted to take my shoes off. It felt like we were on holy ground here. Um, and in some ways, I feel a little bit like Moses. Um, I don't exactly stutter, but I feel a little bit unqualified to be talking to y'all today. Um, and he didn't bring me an errand for some reason. So <laughs> um, I don't want to pretend like I have something to share with you or teach you, um, but maybe God will speak to all of us together today um, in some of the things he's asked me to share. So, as you heard, I'm with an organization called Safe Families for Children, and we'll talk about that a little bit. I think we'll talk more today about um, the Lord's Word to us and what He's asking us to be as the church. So, Safe Families, acts of compassion grounded in relationships. So, all that we do as a church because of the relationship that we have with Jesus allows us to go out and make relationships with others from that um, space of love and grace and mercy. Um, compassion is more than emotion. Compassion is an action. I think of that verse in Matthew where it says, um, Jesus saw the crowds and was moved. He was moved with compassion um, because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And some of the other words they use for those people in some of the translations are confused or distressed or dispirited. And maybe many of us have felt that way before too. I, as I was reading this scripture, I got the picture of um, when there's a riptide in the ocean 
I've seen pictures recently of people trying to save other people that are caught in that riptide, and they start on the shore, and they grab hands with each other, and they reach more and more and more people until they reach out to that person. In North Carolina last year, they actually saved several people from drowning with that technique, and that's how I see safe families. We're grabbing onto the Lord, and we're grabbing onto each other, and we're grabbing onto those that are feeling dispirited and distressed and like a sheep without a shepherd. So um, Safe Families actually provides a bridge. Um, you can, if you want, move the slide. Um, a bridge between the church and socially isolated families who need someone to help them and their children um, with a safe place while they're going through a crisis. So when families come into crisis, maybe you or I or many of us have friends and family that we can reach out to and say, hey, you know, we're in trouble. I'm going to the hospital. Can you watch my kids for a couple days? Um, it feels loud up here, but maybe it's not out there, okay? <laughs> um, so the point of Safe Families is that we can create that um, social network that we take for granted sometimes within the church and with our own families. We can create that for families in the community that don't have that kind of support and help keep their kids safe. And the role of our organization is just to connect people to people. So we help with um, making sure everybody's doing well and making sure that everybody's safe, but this is really a ministry of the church. It's not, this isn't a parachurch organization, it's facilitating the church, um, being the church. So we'll talk a little bit here about practicing biblical hospitality. Um, does anybody know in the Bible what the word hospitality means? If you do, just shout it out. Say that again. Maybe yes. <laughs> <That's it. laughs> of course you know the answer. <laughs> um, yeah, a lot of us think of hospitality as, um, you know, inviting someone over for coffee or, you know, bringing cake to the church potluck. And all of those things are, are wonderful things. The, the biblical term of hospitality actually is um, phileo sinus, which is loving the stranger, inviting the stranger into our world. Um, and there's a lot of scriptures about social justice and specifically hospitality in the word. And I'm going to read just a few of them to you um, to give us all some context. Romans 12:13 it says, uh, share with the Lord's people who are in need, practice hospitality. Um, when I read that, I thought, well, the Lord's people, you know, we are doing that with each other. Does that mean just the people in our own community? And it struck me, I've done a lot of ministry at the jail, and it struck me that so many of the women in that jail know the word just as well or better than I do. And there are God's people everywhere. They're not just in these buildings. They've been lost. They've been cut off from him. They've been separated from his love for a time. Um, but those are our people, too. Those are his people, too. First uh, Peter 4, 7 through 11. Um, but the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. And above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. One of my favorite scriptures. 
Um, Hebrews 13, 2, let brotherly love continue. Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by doing so, some have unwittingly entertained angels. I love to picture that. Remember the prisoners as if chained to them, those who are mistreated, since you yourselves are in the body also. When one of us is suffering, it's hurting all of us. Um, There's so many ways that we can build the kingdom of God by strengthening those who are struggling. And that's, that means a lot for all of us. Um, Isaiah 58.10 says, uh, feed the hungry and help those in trouble. Then your light will shine from the darkness and the darkness around you will be as bright as noon. God comes into the dark places through us. And in that way, builds his church, and strengthens us in the process. Um, One of the things about hospitality um, that's kind of interesting is when we talk about opening our homes to strangers, some of us have kind of a cultural blockage there. Um, And there's a few reasons why. Um, We think of our home sometimes as our castle. We've invested a lot in it. We want to protect it. We want to you know, circle the gates, if you will, a fortress, a place where we can escape from the world, stay safe, you know, not let any of those bad influences come in, and a haven where we go to just relax and refresh and enjoy ourselves, entertain ourselves, kind of be um, with our immediate family because that's comfortable. Um, And I do want to speak to that a little bit because it can be, it can be a block to us. And I, personally um, have felt that in the past too. This is from our founder, Dave Anderson. He wrote a piece called um, Unleashing the Family. He says, the Christian family is one of the most powerful sources of change in our society. Our homes are a powerful change agent. Rather than sheltering our families, we need to unleash them for ministry. It is easy to see our families as fragile, requiring us to handle them with care by defending and protecting rather than unleashing. But when a family is given a life-changing purpose, which requires the involvement of every member, new life and energy is breathed into the family. Some have said that their family now has a purpose beyond just raising the next generation. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Um, One of the other reasons or excuses we can use for not opening our homes is just that we're too busy. Life is really busy, and it seems like, gosh, this is one more thing to maybe add to my list. Um, This is from a book called The Simplest Way to Change the World by Willis and Clements. In a culture where busyness is prized, where isolation is rampant, and where blinking devices replace genuine relationships, hospitality offers a beautiful and countercultural rebellion. As author Christine Pohl puts it, sometimes by the very acting out of welcome, a vision for the whole of society is offered, a small evidence that transformed relationships are possible. So this is the why. Of, of what we do. When we talk specifically about safe families, we can go to the fast facts. Um, so we do host children for families who are in crisis. That's the crux of what we do. 
We also have people who can walk alongside those parents called family coaches and help them through their difficulty, and family friends, resource partners. So there's a lot of different ways to get involved if you don't consider yourself able to host for any given reason. Um, the average length of stay for a safe family um, hosting is 45 days. The average age of the children is about four and a half. 93% um, of children are returned to parents or families. Um, in some locations and in Colorado, we expect that to be 100%. Um, it's rare that a child wouldn't go back to a family. Uh, in some states, they're working with um, social services referrals, and in some cases, thank you. Um, Safe Families was launched in 2003 and has hosted as an organization, um, as the church, over 40,000 children to this point. Yeah. So the goals are early intervention, child abuse prevention, and family support. We're trying to keep families together. We know the outcomes for foster care aren't always great um, for children and families. And so our goal is, whenever possible, to keep them together. Um, so supplementary care means co-parenting. We're helping, um, just like you would with a friend or a family member. You're not taking over the parenting role. You're working alongside parents. And we'll skip the next one. Um, the families are referred to us through social service agencies. Actually, in Colorado, our main referral source has been hospitals. So if a family shows up to the hospital and has their children with them and no friends or family to help them, then we'll get the call. Nationwide, um, the reason for hosting is, uh, the main reason is hope, homelessness. Um, in parental instability and lack of family support, as you can imagine. I just want to tell you one quick story from a hosting here in, um, in Colorado. And this is a testimony um, told by the mom. I was dealing with a major health issue and needed hospitalization. I am a single mom with two kids. I had no family support or friends that I could trust to leave my children with. If I wouldn't have received help from Safe Families, I probably would not have taken care of my health issue. This could have led to serious health risks, even death, scenarios I don't even want to think about. The saying is, it takes a village to raise a child, and in my case, that was true. I needed the village that Safe Families provided to ensure that I would be healthy enough to raise my children. So, as I said, there are many ways that you can help. Um, you can host children, you can become a family friend or a family coach. There really is a place for everyone. We partner with social service agencies in the community, the child's family, um, but the church, this is really an opportunity for the church to move back into the role that we've held for millennia of taking care of, of those around us in our community. Um, and I wanna just leave you with one more thing. Um, this is also from um, the book about world changing. If we want to move in a positive way in this increasingly post-Christian Christian culture, we need something more winsome than anger, more powerful than despair, and more hopeful than escapism. We need love and grace and truth. And we need the simple act of opening our lives and homes to show others what it looks like to be an ordinary person who loves and follows Jesus. Imagine what could be if all Christians actually began practicing this simple act known as hospitality. Thank you.
The crazy part about Marcy being here today is we set this up before they even got approved in Colorado. They got approved three days ago. We set this up weeks ago. Yeah. So we definitely did it by faith. That we, we, we did by faith, believing that God would continue to allow us to be a part of this. And uh, it just got passed by the House and uh, by the Senate of Colorado, and we are very excited to be a part of this. At this time, I'm going to bring up Shelly, and she's a uh, part of uh, Project 127, and she's going to speak to us. There are roughly 400,000 kids in U.S. foster care. To put it in perspective, that's about eight stadiums. Eight stadiums of kids. That's an overwhelming amount, almost too big of a number to understand. So let's focus in on just one kid. There's nothing he did to be brought into foster care. He's here because his family couldn't offer him the protection and provision he needed to grow up safely. And now that he's in foster care, he needs parents to support him. A mom to give him a hug every morning and to make sure he starts his day with a healthy breakfast. A dad to read him stories each night and check under the bed for monsters. A brother and sisters to play on the weekends with. What he needs right now is a foster family, an adoptive family if necessary, but a family. And what about the family's needs? They're going to need a community of faith to surround them. People who provide the support through prayer, relationships, and even frozen lasagna. A Sunday school teacher to walk with him towards Jesus, and a pastor to speak truth and rally the church to become engaged in foster care. They need Christian trainers and resources to help them through the tough times and guide them in unexpected situations. And they definitely need a person who's been there before. A person they could talk to about anything and walk with them through decisions, complicated laws, and seemingly endless paperwork. This family has taken a step of faith forward. Shouldn't we as the church join and surround them in the same faith? Just as the Bible teaches in James 1.27, we as Christians are called to look after orphans in their distress by providing them with protection and a safe place to grow. And with half a stadium of kids aging out every year, these kids need families today. They need communities of faith. What they really need is you. What if we, the church, truly rallied together to provide a family for every waiting kid in foster care? What if we became their support, their biggest advocates, their families, their parents? Because what if they were just kids, like any other? Project 127, bridging the gap between Christian families and kids in foster care. Thank you for inviting me today. As I walked into your church, I was struck by the fact that this is like the church I grew up in. Little Shelley walked in to a church about this size every Sunday growing up. We had the beams. We had those lights, almost exactly like those, I'm pretty sure. Now, it was a little different. We had cream walls and metal chairs. We had a little choir and hymnals instead of a worship and an AV team. And Pastor Stamper, I do not know his first name, stood up in a gray suit, but he shared the same scripture. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And like Pastor John shared with us this morning, love your neighbor as yourself. My parents brought me to that church. But not every kid has a parent to bring them into the church. Not every church 
gets to be like me with Mr. Waddington and Mrs. Galloway. Not every church gets to be like the kids here at Hill City with Miss Megan. There are kids in our community throughout Colorado and throughout the United States that have come into foster care. And sometimes people go, what does foster care have to do with James 1.27, religion that is pure in the sight of God is to look after, to care for orphans and widows in their distress. Throughout scripture, an orphan is a child who needs the protection and provision of a family. And our kids in foster care for a short time and sometimes for a lifetime, they need families to step in and provide protection and provision. But you know what? I had more than just a family. I had a church family. Our kids in foster care, they can go into a lot of great families here in Colorado. You don't have to be a Christian to be a great foster family. But I will tell you that if you're not a Christian foster family, you are not bringing a child into the love and care and foundation. I will build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation. Thank you, Megan. Thank you. In the United States, there are 443,000 children in foster care. Over 120,000 of those children are waiting to be adopted every year. Good news, 50,000 plus are adopted. Anyone catch the bad news? Yeah, 70,000 are not. Here in Colorado, we have between five and 6,000 kids in our foster care system. We do not have enough foster homes for those children. So what happens is our littles come in and they might have to go to a different county. They may be moved several times. We're talking littles who are trying to build the foundation that is imperative to understanding how to love and trust. They get moved around. Our bigs, and I was in another group the other day, and I said, what do you think? What do you think of as an older child? How old are you? 10. In foster care, you'd be an older kid. It's not good news that kids tend up going to group homes because we don't have enough foster homes in our community to provide a family for those kids. It's not good news. It doesn't speak well of us as a church. And when kids go into foster care, they are at risk for homelessness. They are at risk for poverty, joblessness, incarceration, unplanned pregnancies. A couple of years ago, we had a big sex trafficking bust here in Colorado, and I listened to an interview of one of the very young women who was brought out of that system. And she said, I was in foster care, and I was in a group home. And I really never felt like I had a family. I was a commodity. People got paid because they took care of me. And so when this really hot guy came up to me at the park and said, what's wrong? and said, you know what? Hey, I got a place for you to live. I got some good clothes for you. We could be family, got a job. She was eager. She was eager to step into what ended up being a life of sex trafficking because she didn't have 
other people who stepped up and said, I'll be your family. We the church, there's many reasons why we should step into safe families, why we should step, step into being foster parents, why we should step in to adopt our older kids who are waiting. One is that God created family. Family is the institution that God created for children to grow in knowledge of him, to grow into faith. Two, we are the body of Christ. We are a family of faith who are uniquely equipped to share how to build a life on a firm foundation of love. We can provide opportunity through safe families to keep families together. We, we can provide incredible foster families who can help families reunify. Some of you are like, I do not want those kids going back to their parents. Their parents abused them. Hmm, I was reading in scripture this morning, I can't quite remember where it was right now, about how Christ died for all. As foster parents, we may have the opportunity to be part of the redemption of an entire family. We can provide a safe place for those children. We can pray for their parents. We can love and care for that family so they can be redeemed. We can also adopt children who, for no, nothing they did, we can adopt them into our own families. We have the opportunity as a community of faith to change the destination for kids from homelessness and poverty and unplanned early pregnancy and joblessness and only 3% ever going to college. We, we can change that destination. This year, Project 127 is working to convey our vision of a family waiting for every child by asking you to think about your destination, to ask you to think about how to change kids' destination. What's your destination? Some people hear James 127 and they think, let's see, religion, it's this, care for orphans, and not called to foster or adopt, not for me. Actually, the question isn't a yes, no question, it's a how am I called to care? Are you called to care to, by being a foster adoptive family? Are you called to care by being a family coach with Safe Family? Are you called to care by being a court-appointed special advocate? Are you called to care by filling foster bags? Are you called to, there's so many ways to care, and Marcy and I, we wanna share those with you. Because part of Destinations is encouraging you to choose your route. Prayerfully choose your route, and some of you are like, ooh, it's kind of scary to think of that. God might call me to foster a teenager. Awesome. God knows we have a need for that. But some of you are afraid. You think, I can't do that. I just want to remind you that when we're sharing how wide and long and high and deep is the Savior's love, later on in Ephesians 3, God says, I will do abundantly more than you can ever ask 
or imagine according to my power. So I want to, ch- I want to challenge you to prayerfully consider your destination. Choose your route. And together we can be more for kids. Let's stand together. As we're closing, I just want to ask you three questions that you, I, I want you to ask yourself. Just bow your heads for a moment and just be inter- just internal, for, pensive for a moment. Just ask God, how do you want me to be a part of biblical hospitality? I don't care what age you are. God can use every age. How do you want me to be a part of making my world better? How can I take part in these needs, big or small? And third, I just want you guys to go to the back and pick up some information and just pray about it. Let God tell you the answer. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for Hill City Church, God. I pray we come in here, Lord God, because we need you, Lord God. And we leave this place, Lord God, needing you, Lord God, but also taking a step to be who you were, to live like Jesus in our workplace, to live like Jesus with the homes that we have, with the moment of life that we have, God. I pray we ask you, let us not make a decision right away, Lord God, to jump in or jump out, Lord God, but I pray We just, this week, Lord God, we ask you, God, what would you want me to do, God? What would you want me to do? Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this holy moment, God. I pray as we, Lord God, go on through through this week, we keep on asking ourselves this question, Lord God. If we have more than enough, Lord God, how can we be part, Lord, of your transforming gospel? Jesus, Lord God, be with us today, Lord God. We thank you and we honor you not only with our praise, not only with our giving, but with our whole life. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. God bless you guys. Thank you for being here. Make sure you grab some information about Safe Families in the back. If you're a youth, uh, make sure you get some information from Phil. There's an event going on, and we're very excited for you guys.